Welcome to the uh, first episode of the Pew Hub podcast. Pewcast. I don't know. It's a working. It's a working title, um, and I'm sure as we get more into it, then you know we will probably end up thinking of different names. Um, you know, anyone that listens to this, feel free to suggest any names, um, because honestly, I'm not very good at naming stuff, and neither is Mike. Speaking of Mike, he is joined with me uh, here on this podcast today. Say hi. Hello. Um, and obviously, so the, the, the way that we thought of this was just like, you know me from interviews, you know Mike from everything else. So what we thought we'd do is we thought we'd start a little podcast for you, um, go a little bit more in depth about the videos, um, talk about, you know, like the guns that we like, a little bit more of depth, get a bit of a... Uh, of a behind the scenes, would you say? Um, and then just uh, just have a bit of a chat. Uh, today, primarily, we are going to be talking about uh, getting started in airsoft. Um, obviously, last year we did the um, like mini series of how to like start getting started in airsoft, um, but that was more of an airsoft at home kind of thing. Um, Mike, why don't you tell everyone? how you got started in Airsoft, and then I'll tell people how I got started in Airsoft, and we'll just kind of waffle on about that for a half an hour yeah, or so. Um, so I knew nothing about Airsoft, as uh, all of us at one point didn't. And a friend of mine um, stumbled across it on online somehow, and he found a shop near us called Airsoft Warehouse, which is long gone. And he took a drive up there, I looked round, gave me a ring and said, you need to give this a go, it looks like a bloody good laugh. Uh, we went up to the shop to have a look. This was years before VCRA, where as long as you had the money and you were over 18, you could buy what you wanted. Um, there was really only three brands, there was Tokyo Marie, Classic Army and ICS. So you had a little bit of King Arms, uh, a bit of GMP, but not very much of it. Those were kind of the three, three main brands. And way before what were originally known as clones, which are, but are now known as Cyma, A and K, um, and kind of you know actually some of the staple brands and pre G and G as well. Um, and they ran, they actually ran a site out near Bristol in Thornbury, which was at the time called Black Ops, um, which where then became Ultimate Airsoft. And is now known as Spartan Airsoft, but it's moved over to Bristol Airport and to the old college in Chippenham. So that's kind of initially how I got into it. We then also got invited over at our first game playing at um, Black Ops, as it was. We got invited to try Dragon Valley in South Wales. So we went and gave that a go and then got booked. Um, it was really difficult because it was... Kind of airsoft in terms of being professional was still in its infancy, so you didn't have really that many professional sites insured actual sites. You still had a mix of paying for a day at a site, which is a business where you generally got fed. So if you paid twenty pound um, to play, and what's uh, is that frozen? Uh, 
What's really interesting, the actual prices haven't changed very much in 20 years. We used to pay £20 for a day's airsoft, and you're now most sites, 20 £25, sometimes £30. So the price hasn't really gone up that much. The only difference was most sites used to feed you as well for that. Um, but we still had a mix of gaming being a little bit like going to an illegal rave. So you'd get a text message off someone telling you there was a game on on Sunday at a time and a lay-by you had to meet in. And you would all rock up and someone would meet you and you'd follow them to whatever private land someone secured for the day. Um, so there was a kind of a mix of the two. Um, Facebook wasn't really a thing. Facebook was still quite new to the world. And certainly Airsoft wasn't as organised on Facebook as it is now. And it was all done through forums like Arnie's Airsoft, um, most of which are probably gone now. Um, but, you know, that's how you find out what was going on. That's how you find out about events and things. It certainly wasn't as easy to get the information as we, we find it now. Hmm, that's really interesting because it's like... So, and when did you say that was? About 20 years ago? Um, I would have been... Actually, 18, 19, something like 18, 19 years. Okay. So it was just like comparatively, you know, especially as like some of the people that like follow PewHub on YouTube and stuff, you know, it's like they'll be similar ages to like me or maybe even younger. So the fact that like that world basically is like in such a short space of time, that world doesn't exist anymore. Um, because it's like, you know, everyone kind of remembers like running around a field with their mates with the little spring of pistols and stuff. And like, you know, it's like shooting the, you know, like being told to, being told off because you, you know, that you're shooting the sister or, you know, it's like stop terrorizing each other um, and stuff like that. But the fact that the actual infrastructure itself is fairly new, as in like actually going to sites sites that have been properly insured, um, the VCRA as well. It's like, that's quite an interesting concept, the fact that that has only really been around for 15 years, if that, 10 years. So that, like, that there'll be people that started, like, for instance, like, if I started when I was 16, I would be probably like, oh, it's a completely different completely different landscape to what it is now. Because it's like... It, it is different and the same. Um, some things are massively different. Uh, in ter- like I said, in terms of how easy it is to get information about who's playing when, where. Um, and the fact is, if you go, to, you go to one site and you don't like that site, um, you know, one thing I've always thought is it actually is nothing about that site necessarily. Sometimes it's like a pub... You can walk into a pub, there's nothing wrong with it, it's packed, people are enjoying themselves, it's not your vibe, and you can get that with some airsoft sites, like, you just don't like the way they run the games, you don't like, and I, I've got it, I won't name them, because um, I don't think that's fair, but there's a couple of sites, uh, you know, they're doing well, they're, they're packed every game day, but I've not enjoyed myself there, I just haven't got the games, yeah. haven't, you know, um, whereas you kind of have to just put up with it, Um you know, there was one airsoft site in Bristol, and there was, um, you, I think you had, South Wales had two or three. There was a couple right down, right in the bottom of um, 
like towards sort of Devon Cornwall. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you, we used to do coach trips, you know, the Airsoft Warehouse, which used to be out in the Ape, um, they used to run coach trips to other sites because you couldn't easily get to them any other way. And, you know, we do we went to Urban Assault, which is in Peterborough. And that was a whole day on a coach, you know, a whole day event for us. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I, you just, to weekend events were, were, again, new. They were just kind of starting out. Yeah. And obviously, like, with the with, with the rise of social media and stuff, that's basically made everything so much easier for the people absolutely. to be able to keep track. Yeah, absolutely. Because, like, if you were to live out in somewhere that isn't necessarily that well serviced by sites... For example, where I live, there's like, I think my nearest site might be up in Birmingham. Yeah. And then from there, maybe Wales or Bristol and maybe towards Coventry. It's it's like, like I I live in like a weird airsofting black hole where there's nowhere easy for me to get to. You know, it's like I have to, you know, and like if people don't have a car or any kind of their own form of transport, that, is, that See, makes everything a lot more difficult. Transport's different, mate. Tra- the issues with transport and airsoft are different. Um, it's not as bad as it once was. I mean, there's so much... The airsoft community is, is, a, is an odd one because it can be an incredibly toxic place at times, but it could also be an incredibly welcoming humbling amazing place as well and the amount of times i mean i'm on quite a lot of facebook groups and quite a lot of sites pages and the amount of times someone will post i don't drive um i'd like to come and play and they get offered lifts and they end up then making more friends Mm. Uh, so actually i don't necessarily think not having a car yes pain in the ass because you can't jump in and go yourself but it's it's less of a thing because i think the community is pulling together and Mm-hmm. You know, if there's someone, if you can get a train, um, I've seen it with Warminster Airsoft on their group. Someone wanted to give it a try and they can get the train to Warminster. And someone's met them at the train station, took them to the game, dropped them back at the station. Um, there was a guy called uh, Jay Peplow who's in Newport. And he started an Airsoft Lift Share Facebook group, mm. actually designed to help people that can't drive get, about, get to games. So. It is one of those weird things where it's less of a problem yeah. than people think because we're one of the weird communities where we do every we will do everything society tells us not to do, which is pick up strange men with guns and take them for a lift into the woods. <laughs> yeah, because it's like something. Well, I mean, we we've touched on your kind of first introduction into airsoft. Mine was possibly the most polar opposite you could get. Um, so I didn't get into airsoft until I was in my early 20s, maybe 20, I can't remember, 22. Because um, I was actually living in Hong Kong. Um, and then me and my friend went to, um, me and my friend, we went to a tattoo convention. And... Um, Where else do you go? You want to start airsoft? Obviously. Um, so yeah, so like I, I, we went to a tattoo convention. I think it was the Hong Kong Asia International Tattoo Expo or something. I don't know. I can't remember the exact name. 
But basically, what I do remember is that my friend was wandering around, deciding on where he was going to get a tattoo. I didn't have any money, so I decided not to get a tattoo that day. But then I heard plinking off in the distance, and I was like, right, someone's got guns somewhere. Because um, I'm not stupid, I know what that 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 particular ting sound. I know, I know what that means. Um, even though I didn't really know airsoft at that point, I knew that that sound to me was guns. So um, I, I I went to that and I it, and then I eventually found the booth and it was actually all of the guys from Red Wolf because Red Wolf was there, obviously being in Hong Kong. Um, and that was really fun, and that was my introduction into Airsoft, was I got chatting to Mark and Tim, and then through that they were like, hey, do you want to get involved? I was like, yeah, of course. So then they invited me to a few games, a few game days. Um, I went and I took pictures, um, I filmed. Um, and yeah, that was just kind of like my introduction to Airsoft really and then my interest kind of blossomed from there and then after I came back from Hong Kong that's when you and me were first introduced. Um, and yeah, kind of the rest is history really. Um, there's not really much else to say apart from that. Um, I don't really, you know, it's not like... I, 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 I didn't start as a player I started as like one of the people being involved but not playing. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, certainly. Um, and yeah, and my interest kind of blossomed from there, really. And it's like obviously, we've been done stuff since, and I did things when I was in Hong Kong. So, but yeah, the same time. I mean, right. I, I suppose for anyone watching who isn't playing that stuff um, at the moment, and you're interested. Uh, I mean, the first thing is find your local site. That's the, the quickest, easiest thing to do is find where's local cheap. And there's a couple of ways of doing this. You can use the powers of Google Foo. You can go on our website, pubhub.co.uk, where we have a site map, and you can just have a look at what's local to you. Um, you can go on Facebook, go into any one of them, the um, UK Airsoft groups on Facebook. Um, say, I live in here. Where's local and we're decent because some people, there are a couple of sites. Again, I don't want to get into name calling, so I'm not going to go into them. But there are one or two sites in the UK which are worth avoiding. It's not a case of, um, as I said, you know, just not liking the vibe. It, they're very poorly run in terms of the safety, health and safety side of things. So, but the players will point that out to you. And it's just go along and actually go and have a look. Go and see for yourself. Most sites rent the equipment. So you can, you know, when you rent your equipment, what you really want to check is, does that include BB? Because some sites do. Most CQB sites, they will include unlimited ammo, mainly because it's single shot only, so you're not going to get through much. Um, but you want to make sure that you, if they don't provide ammo, how much is a bottle of BB? Let them tell you, make sure you budget that into your day as well, because it's still cheaper than paintball by far, massively cheaper. But just you just want to cover that off and ask the questions. Um, there's a load of questions I get asked all the time when people want to start, like what to wear. Um, the only you don't need to go out and buy cry precision combat gear. 
um, five eleven tactical kit. I I've turned up the games and I think there's photos around Pew Hub and I, if they're not, I'll get them reposted. Um, I've turned up to games in a pair of jeans, combat boots, and a hoodie. And you can, especially CQB, you can just wear a hoodie. Uh, yeah, if you've got some combat gear, chuck it on. But there's actually no need. If you don't have it, I wouldn't spend it on the first. I wouldn't spend all that money on the first game because you might play it and hate it. And it's not worth. It's, you know, you'll be paying enough to play without chucking money up. You know, down the drain on stuff you might only wear once, or you might wear and then see something else and really like that. So, yeah, I. Yeah, decent pair of boots. Protect your ankles. iPro should be provided by the site. Um, and it's as simple as that. And just turn up, even if you're by yourself. Um, I've run sites. I'm, I'm, I've been involved in running two sites. Well, one previously and one at the moment. And if someone contacts me and says, well, I'm coming out to play, I'm on my own. You, we, make, we used to make a point of introducing them to one of the regulars so that they've got kind of someone to uh, show them the ropes, as well as obviously the marshals and the staff on the site. So if you're coming by yourself, just let the site staff know that you're coming by yourself, and they will hopefully look after you a bit more. Yeah, yeah. Like In my experience, if you've turned up by yourself and there's like a team of people, even if the team of people are like specifically wanting, like, you know, they're like, oh, we thought we'd be playing as a team then more than likely just be like, yeah, sure, we can have another person. You know, it's just like, you're not, and nine times out of ten, if that, you know, if you're, like, you're going to be stuck with people that are either similar level to you, they might have only just started, or they are, you know, they're people that have turned up and they've got all the gear, all the fun stuff. And then I guess you get to see a different side of Airsoft that then. So you get to see the side that's like a little bit more... Like, these people have invested a bit more money into it. So you get to see, like, the cool guns with the cool pistols and the and the firearms and... Not firearms, like, um, sidearms and stuff. I, I mean, this is probably going to be my more controversial point of this podcast. I can see you bricking it already. Um, I've been involved in many different teams. And the one that has been... I've been involved in some quite serious teams where... You dress the same, so when you turn up to a game, you look all look similar. Uh, but the most fun I've had, it's just been a group of mates with a stupid team name, which I, is rude, so I'm not going to say it on this. Uh, PM me if you want to know our rude team name. Um, and it was the most fun I've had playing Airsoft, because we stripped away the rubbish, we stripped away the crap. Um, and it was just mates turning up, and we, we turned up to a game at the jail, uh, that is how to pronounce it, ladies and gentlemen. It's an old English spelling. It might be G-A-O-L, but it's pronounced jail. Um, and it was a charity game. And we we turned up in hoodies, t-shirt, in hoodies, jeans, and looking, quite frankly, like a like crap. Uh, we were up against people in with Sistemas, HPA, Cry Precision, and we slapped them around the site all day. Well, not all day, because most of them left partly through the second half of the day because they all felt it were being slapped around the site by people that look like extras from Steptoe and Son. Um, but the, the, the idea of a team, and this isn't belittling people that really want to take it seriously, because if that's what you enjoy, that's the most important thing. But a team is a group of friends that play airsoft together. Now, whether that's you turn up with 
you know, cheap Jing Jong guns that you've just picked up secondhand and you enjoy yourself, or if you enjoy yourself taking it uber seriously, you know, putting yourself in a, you know, in a real mindset for it. That's absolutely fine. But the key thing is you're playing with mates. And a lot of these teams, if they know you're new, they will adopt you. Okay, and they will take you under their wing. And they will show you the ropes and they will get you involved. So I suppose the next bit is a gun. I mean, we, we see it all the time. It's be believer to come in and they're determined to own their own gun. Or they play one game and now they want to own a gun. The way the law works, you need a defence to buy um, a riff. And I'm, I'm not going to get into the defence too much because it is a. Quite frankly, we'll need to do this. We need one of the, a podcast just talking about what is a defence. But if we work on the most widely accepted in terms of Yukara, okay. So under the rules to get you to get your defence under Yukara, it's three games are in a period of no less than two months. So. You know, two months and one day essentially. Um, you can buy three games within that period. You can then buy whatever you want. And if you get someone you you know really excited, they turn up for their first game, they want to go and buy a gun. All they can buy is two tone. But then, when they've got their defence, they're going to buy another gun. That two tone is going to go in the back of a cupboard and it's going to sit there forever. Rent, just rent. Talk to people. Airsofters are the most vain human beings in the world. If you like the look of their gun, just walk over, ask them before you touch it. Mate, I really like your gun, can I have a quick look? And they'll probably let you go and have a shoot on it. You take those two months to really research what you want. Because there's one thing I've learned is if you settle for second best, you're gonna spend you're gonna spend twice as much. If you if you know what you want and you buy that because you can get it now, you're gonna end up buying what you wanted anyway and not playing with the other thing. So, yeah, I, I would spend that two, that two months asking questions, talking to people on site. You know, even if going on Facebook, asking for advice and doing your research and looking at what you actually want. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's also in, the, in those two months as well, you can rent a pretty wide range of stuff. So you um, might you, you might yeah. go in thinking that oh no I um I I only want like an AR or an M4 platform or something like that, and then you know they might you might decide to pick up an AK, and then decide yeah. that that AK was you know was perfect for you all along and you don't and you don't know why you wanted a M4 or you know you but, could you can test out but, different guns basically before you buy them. There's a reason the M4 is kind of the widest platform. And it's because it's it makes sense. It's mm. the most practical. Um, it's the first of all is the magazine. It's the same basic magazine that the British Army use, not anymore because the, the, the new mag is a slightly chunkier heavyweight version. But it's the easiest weapon to buy tack gear for. When you start buying AKs, MP5s and that, you don't need to search a bit harder to get tack gear. Whereas if you go for someone with a Stanag mag... You just go to an army surplus and buy a cheap set of PLC webbing or a cheap Osprey rig with mag pouches. Um, I mean, but then one of the best guns I've seen, weirdly, I've been, I actually had this conversation with a friend the other day. Um, 
when he started Airsoft, he had to buy a gun to use on his first game, and it happened to be a site I was running at the time. And we had, when I say a room full, I mean a room full of Umarex G36s, MP5s, UMPs. Um, and I think at this point, we just had we had an absolute boatload of the G36s left. Um, so we were doing them cheap, and I'd like 50 quid just to get shot of them. And he had one. And that would have been seven years ago. And it's still going strong. He's done nothing to it. Um, they're that good. So my brother one. The only thing I've... Again, that would have been like eight years ago. That's still going strong. Um, weirdly, the SMT G36 is... Which SMT made it for Umarex at that point. Was absolutely solid. And the great thing is, you can get an M4 mag adapter for it. Yeah. So you can have something that looks a bit different. The P90, you can get an M4 mag adapter for it. So if you want to go for kind of like, you know, the Stanag mag for the practicality, but you want something that looks a bit different, you can still get them because you get things like the um, Magpul PDR, which are still a few about that. It's not made anymore, but there's still a few on sale. It It's a bullpup that still looks ever so slightly P90-ish, but it takes Stanag mags. Um, so you can still get something that is really unique, right? really, really unique. But it's also the range you get because you can go from you can go from kind of like the really, really cheap combat machine style things right up to what I know you've got in terms of a recoil. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You don't, unlike you, you don't need to get something like that as a first gun. Mm-hmm. Um. But, you know, it comes down to, again, like, you don't need to buy the most expensive thing out there, but if you want uh, if you want an MP5, get an MP5. Don't let anyone tell you different. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, you know, this is the shock thing. An M4 is not better than an MP5. An AK-47 is not better than, AK-47 is not better than that. They're all the same. They're, it's the, more to do with the manufacturer that makes them better, that, who made the Airsoft version that makes them better. Yeah. In Airsoft... Do a gearbox that push that you know helps propel a BB through a hop unit out of a barrel, and the BB is still six millimeter. So you don't even have you know, like in the real world the difference in calibers. It's a six millimeter plastic ball being fired at a particular velocity. Um, it's about how the manufacturer has built it to cope. You know to actually do that. Mm. Um, so you know get what you like if you want a particular look. Go for it. Don't let anyone stop you because it's the worst thing you'll do because I promise you will go back and buy that. Anyway. Yeah. Would you have a... Uh, do you have a particular style that you like to wear soft with? Say that again, sorry? Do you have, any partic- do you have a particular style that you like to wear soft with? In terms of rifles, I love the 417. Hmm. Because it's massively impractical. It's a magazine so big you could hollow it out and live in it. Um, it's the, the high, the, honestly, the, it, they're ridiculous racks. But it's a good fun gun. Um, you can use them for CQB, trust me. Um, I've done it. Yep, I've done it after being told multiple times I can't. And this is after everything I've just said about Stanley, but I've got, I've got a soft spot for the 417. Mm. Uh, I do. I know. I also. I like. I'm a pistols man. Um, I love my pistols. I've owned all sorts. I've sold some that I really regret. Something. Um, 
But if I'm doing CQB, you'll quite often see me put the rifle down and just go out with like a TM high capper and a belt full of mags. Because that's all you need. Um, on my next purchase is going to be a TM Glock with a carbine kit. And a carbine kit does nothing but make it look cool. Because rule of cool is far more important than being practical. Yeah, well, you don't do airsoft for the practicality, do you? <laughs> no. It's all rule of cool. I, I really like some of the carbine kits, so I'm kind of having a look at what one I want. Yeah. And that will be my next thing, especially can I spend most of my time around a CQB site. So when I jump in and play, um, it's going to be carbine kit. Someone I can kind of... I, I've played um, one of the... One of my favourite guns that I got rid of was actually the TM uh, Scorpion Mod... Mod... Men. The gold and black one. Yeah. And that was beautiful. Absolutely stunning. Put a, tra put a uh, tracer on the end of it and just hit absolutely everything, every time. Yeah, I think... <laughs> yeah, like... Um, and also, obviously, people, when they ask, oh, what shall, I, what shall I do to, you know, it's like when I'm starting airsoft and stuff. There'll be some people that be like, oh, I want to look like this. I want to look like that. Obviously, you said that you just like to turn up in your, in your, you know, in your slobby stuff, your jeans and your T-shirt and stuff. But, like, if you had to pick any, I don't know, cosplay, for lack of a better word, what would you choose? Um, so, when I started, I used to play in British DPM because I had loads of it. And it made sense. Um, I do have a couple of sets of ATAX AU. And I really like the ATAX cam. Um, partly because it's a bit different. I do like stuff that, that stands out. Mm. Uh, I don't, I've got this thing about not wanting to look like everyone else in a crowd. Yeah. Uh, it's an event. And so I really like kind of the ATAX stuff. Um, I've got AU, but FG looks good. Um Multicam and etc. Nothing wrong with it. It works. Um, and the thing is, if someone does decide they want a copy and look, if that's what they want to do, if that's what I'm spending money on, fair play to them. We used to have a guy visited us when I was at Bristol Airsoft, and he would play once a month to be a regular player to keep his defence because his hobby was much more watching a film like American Sniper and going or look like Chris Kyle. Hmm. And he would he would spend an obscene amount of money buying the actual camouflage, the actual tack gear, building a rifle to be just like, and I don't mean all oh, that's close, it would be as near as damn it as you can get without going and buying that rifle. Hmm. And he'll paint it up to look like it, and he'll create his loadout, play it a few times, sell it and start again on another one. Because that's what he enjoyed doing. He enjoyed the researching and he enjoyed the reading into like, what is he will carry it. And I found out about this by I, I was selling a um, 1911. And I said, um, oh, um, I, I offered it to him. And he said, I can't have it because I'd have to change my loadout. And I thought he meant his holster because it was an MEU 1911. But no, he meant his entire loadout because it was an MEU 1911. And the loadout he was going for, they don't carry MEU style 1911 <laughs> and that's when the conversation at first you think actually this is a bit weird but 
I run around the woods shooting my friends with toy guns and I'm nearly 40. Who the hell am I to criticise someone for their hobby? Yeah. You know, I'm doing what we think kids grow out of when they hit young teenagers. I'm now doing that in my late 30s. Yeah. Yes, I'm nearly... Yeah, I don't look it. Yeah, no, I think that's... But then, at the end of the day, we're all kind of... We're all kids, really. It's just the, the, the toys get more expensive, really. That's the way I've yeah. always seen it. The, um... But yeah, like, going back to the kind of... Yeah, no, but I know what you mean. Like, I personally like multicam black. Um, I'm one of those so-and-sos that's, like, multicam black or nothing. Um... I like to pretend. I like to pretend I'm special forces. It's back to where you're using it. Um, I mean, if you're playing CQB multi-cam back, it is ideal. Yeah. Uh, but if you know, if you're going to be out in the middle of the woods, less so. I mean, I don't you know. know. It depends how it depends how fast you run. <laughs> That's why I need good camouflage. <laughs> but the um, but yeah, the, the yeah. I think in terms of like clothing and stuff, you don't necessarily need to like overthink it, especially in CQB. I know CQB. You, you, I mean, if you're for CQB, you want to cover as much of your body as you can. Yeah. Um, let you me, I am a moron, and I will play it in short sleeve t-shirts um, because I give people to follow any of it. Mm. But. You know, you want to cover as much of your skin as possible. You want to wear gloves or you end up with scars all over your knuckles and things like I've got. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're going to sweat. It doesn't matter whether it's dead of winter, middle of summer, you're going to sweat anyway. But it's about whether you want to be covered in blood because you're shooting each other at close range. And lots of sites have minimum engagement ranges. You cannot do that in CQB. It, the C stands for close, you know. It, you've got to accept that. Mm-hmm. And do you know what? It's going to hurt. Yeah, I remember um, I remember I was filming, like touching on the safety first thing, I was filming some airsoft in a CQB and I got, um, I ended up being in the middle of a firefight with a camera and basically like I'd set myself up so I had my, I had a riot shield on one arm, I had my camera on the other arm, I had... Face Pro, Eye Pro, I had a cap on, had my hoodie up. This, like, I did everything I possibly could to not get hit. I basically sandwiched myself into a corner, made a tiny little gap for my, the camera lens to go through. And I stuck it through, and as someone came around the corner, they pre-fired coming around the corner, and you can in the recording you can literally see the flashlight go across. So you can hear the did 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 and the only part of me that the person hit was my knuckle. Um, obviously, like, as soon as they realised that I was, in fact, not a player, because I was wearing a high-vis jacket, they were very apologetic. Um, and honestly, they were lucky they didn't hit the lens. Um, I'd rather... Because <laughs> otherwise, they would have been paying for a new one. Um, but, yeah, I had... Uh, that's because I wasn't wearing gloves. I was offered gloves. I was like, nah, I don't need them. Do you know what? There's something about airsoft. So when I was at Bristol Airsoft, we we jumped in for the Marshals uh, swapped over, and kind of some of us got in for a game. And there was myself and a guy called Mark Brain, 
who's still very much there, really, really nice guy, kind of life and soul of the site. And we were on opposite teams, and I was doing my usual thing of just pistols. And he had just bought new face protection, and he'd done the same with me. I tend to wear separate lower to upper. Um, just don't ask me why, I just prefer it than having a full face. Uh, but his had a 7mm gap under each eye, about here. I fired two shots down a dark corridor and I found both those 7mm gaps purely by fluke. If you have your entire body covered apart from just enough space for a BB to strike it, it's going to find it. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how you know how bad a shot the person firing at you is. It's going to find that bit. Mm. Uh, so I wouldn't, you know, you, you could have walked up to it and found somewhere else. I promise you. Yeah, but I, I do remember walking out and being like, ow, that kind of hurt. And then I looked at my knuckle and it was like a volcano on the top of my hand. I, I've it had was... to have my knuckles injected because I've had like loose gristle and all sorts of stuff in them from being hit. Mm. And I've had to have all sorts of injections to break it down. Yeah, it's, it's not nice. So, yeah, uh, if you're thinking about starting Airsoft and you're thinking about going into CQB, little PSA from the Pew Hub boys are wear gloves. And boots. And boots. Gloves, boots, and eye pro. Yeah. Um, those, those are maybe the, one, the three absolute, like. The yeah, the ones you don't want to go cheap on is eye pro. Don't go to B&Q and buy the 99p safety specs, for God's sake. Um, really do your research on iPro because do you know what? you can't your eyes are not going to grow back. Um, and the, the trouble is with if someone skips on iPro, it's kind of their own fault. Mm. But also that shot them is going to have to live with that for the rest of their life. So decent iPro, the mesh stuff. Everyone whinges about mesh. It works, and there's someone getting splint as a BB through. I've never seen it. I have never ever seen. It anything go through a mesh goggle. As long as you... Mesh goggles you need to treat as disposable bits of a kit. Once they start to bend, <coughs> once they start rusting and the paint, paint, all the paint's going off, bin them and get a new set. And that's the trick to them. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that that is also like a very... You know, that, that's a debate that we could have for the next 25 minutes of should you wear mesh or plastic or full face or separate or visor or fabric or but and the thing is a lot of this depends where you play yeah there are some cqb sites bristol airsoft's one of them and there are a couple of others that are starting to adopt it you have to have full cli protection so if you're going to wear shooting glasses they have to fully seal around the eye and this is because they've had people wearing what the sawflies that almost got like a wing coming out of them. The BB's coming from behind, hit the back of the eye probe, propelled it forward. Mm. So they want a full seal so you don't get that, so you don't get BBs going into, you know, you can also get BBs start rattling around inside. And they've done it actually is to protect the players. And if you don't have any eye protection, they'll lend you some. Yeah. Yes, it's the rental stuff. But end of the day, it's their it's their train set, you know, it's their their rules. Yeah. You know, and they're very open beforehand. It's on it's on the website. If you message them, they'll tell you. So, you know, it's not like a, a deep, dark secret. So you want to check that out, that, you know, where you're going to play, do they have specific rules? And then it's about your eyesight, because I wear glasses. 
So I've got to be a little bit more careful. Now my eyesight isn't particularly bad. I can I can take my glasses off and I can kind of take part. But if you've got eyesight that's a bit worse than that, you need to start looking at what you're going to do because you can get prescription ballistic glasses mm-hmm. um, where, you know, you get prescription inserts that go in. I've, I've actually got um, some I need to get the inserts into um, and I just haven't got around to it. But, you know, you do need, this, this is all stuff, you know, do you go for one of the dye masks? Now, dye masks don't fog up, but as I learned, if you wear your glasses under them, they will. Mm-hmm. Got my highest ever kill streak at uh, Strike Force CQB. I took out, there was eight aside because it was a private event, and I shot seven people in a row whilst running, yes, running through the site. Then I found out those seven players were all on my team <laughs> and I because my glasses had fogged up. <laughs> um, so, you know, you, you you need to find the iPro that suits you. Mm. It's, it's one of those things where someone can tell you that what they use is the best in the world and you want it. Borrow it off them. Ask them if you can give it a go. Because, you know, you might not find it comfortable because all our heads are different sizes, different shapes. And you may not find it comfortable. It may not work for you, but something else might. And this is one of those things where if iPro's the best, is a lot of it is down to personal taste and preference. Yes, there are some that are all god-awful. Um, there's some brands you want to be very, be very, very careful of because quality control with them. Um, we we were getting a, a one particular brand in, and we had a batch where the eyepieces were falling out before we sold them. So we had to send we sent them all back. Mm. Uh, but we only had problems with that one batch. So you do want to be a bit careful. Just stay, again, don't go cheap on eyebrows. It's just not worth it. You've only got one set of eyes. Yeah. And would you suggest anywhere, like if someone wanted to have a look at like a wider selection... Where would you suggest they go? Do a bit of a name drop. Soft shop. Um, or on site. If you see someone with some eye protection, you like the look of it, excuse me, think of it, points my pro. Do you mind if I have a little look at yours? Can you tell me about it? How much is it? Where did you get it from? You can do it on site because if you're renting anyway, you're going to get probably a full face mask. That's what most sites give out that you're going to be wearing. So that's a perfect opportunity to go and talk to people because. The problem with going into a shop is you, you're talking to someone who wants to sell you something. Mm. They're going to tell you everything's brilliant. When you talk to someone at a game, they will talk about their personal experiences and they might have several sets of eyebrow. I normally have two or three with me, um, really, because I keep forgetting them. Um, and I've normally got a set in my boot at all times. I mean, um, you, you usually have to remember a pair for me because I know, I know no, remember no, it. That, because I wasn't going to say that. I was blaming myself. But there's also, you know, iPro can fail. The best iPro in the world, the most expensive iPro can fail. And you don't want that to be the end of your day. Mm. So I always take, a, you know, I try and take a couple of sets. But I've been wearing, I wear mesh all the time and I, I've never had an issue with it. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that was a pretty much end to that kind of segment. Um, yeah, uh, I think this is like one of the main things to like if like to get started in airsoft is just kind of like take the jump. I think um, find your and find yeah find your as local as you can get it. 
get yourself booked in. Go scroll, go, go through the website with a fine tooth comb for the rules, so you know whether there's going to be drink. If it doesn't say if there's food and drink sold on site, ask them. Because what you don't want again, if you're going for a whole game day, and I have done this, is you turn up and there aren't there are no drinks to buy. Um, you know, so you want to know that, so you know if you've got to take some bottles of water or whatever you want with you. Um, check what the rules and restrictions are around pyrotechnics. Because there are some sites like uh, Zero One, because of the land, hot burning pyro is completely banned. Because it's like a peat and peaty ground and the, the fire could happen three weeks down the line. Um, so there was Urban Airsoft, I'm not sure if it's still around actually. They were, it was an old RAF base which has been built up all the way around the outside. So they, you had to use their pyro because they were limited on the decibels. So just, you know, do some research onto the rules of the site you're going into. Is food provided? Do you need to buy your own when you get there? Do they sell food? Mm-hmm. Um, with rental guns, don't forget the important thing, and people fall for this all the time, is when you book in and you book your rental gun, is ammo included with my rental? If it is, great. If not, do you sell it? How much is it? And the best bit of advice you're going to get with BB, don't buy it on eBay or Amazon. Um, until you've been around a bit and you start learning the brands, you're going to find BB for like a couple of quid. It's normally yellow. And if you put it through your gun, you will need a new gearbox. Okay, It will absolutely crunch it to pieces. So initially, until while you're learning your brands, while you're learning what's good and what isn't, just buy from UK-based shops, sites, and, you know, talk to your mates that are currently playing, see what they use. So, yeah, do you want to finish it there, then? I think that's all the time we've got for today. Yeah. Unfortunately, we didn't... Um, I forgot to post on the socials any questions that people might have for us, but that will be coming next week. Um, so feel free in the comments of this or... Um, in the comments and any posts and stuff when we uh, when we send out a prompt and it's probably going to be on Facebook and Instagram uh, feel free to ask us pretty much any questions to do with Airsoft um, especially if it's on the subject we're going to yeah. discuss it yeah 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 um, but obviously it's like so thank you very much for listening um, this has been Pew Hub podcast the Pew Hub podcast who knows we'll 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 think of something else Uh, Thank you very much and see you later.